0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett.
1: We're pleased to have you tune in for the program. When you are in a covenant relationship with God, it has an immediate and a direct bearing on how you relate. To other people.
0: Even though the terms of
1: the original covenant
0: had been re-read to the people and agreed upon, the Israelites still disobeyed and disregarded God. Dr. Corbett opens Jeremiah chapter 11 for a covenant reminder.
1: Father, as we look at your word now, we pray that we would see things that we need to see, that we would hear things that we need to hear, that our hearts would be responsive in a ways that they should be responsive. Lord... Have your way in us. Have your way in us. Use us each today, whether we be praying or whether we be preaching, whether we be listening or whether we be sharing. I pray now, Lord, that your word would open up to us wonderfully and gloriously. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn to Jeremiah. And what we're hopefully going to see here In a moment, and and I, I will bring this to a main point of the conclusion, is that we're now in chapter 11 and we're actually going back in time. And chances are this is one of the very first messages that Jeremiah gave. So what we have so far in the book of Jeremiah from chapters 1 to 9 in particular is kind of the whole scope of what Jeremiah had to say. Now what we're looking at, chapter 10, was was a a collection of things that Jeremiah said. Now we're in chapter 11. And in chapter 11, we're actually going right back near the start. This is something Jeremiah was told by the Lord as a young boy. Now, Jeremiah would have been called into prophetic ministry about the age of 12. I don't know how you would receive a 12-year-old coming up to you and telling you the way it was. I don't know how you'd handle that. I don't know how a nation would handle a 12-year-old boy Saying, thus says the Lord, amend your ways. Can you imagine a 12-year-old doing that? Can you imagine the Lord telling this 12-year-old, they will despise your youth, but don't let them. Don't be put off. I will put my words in your mouth. And out of your mouth will come something spiritually like fire. Don't be put off. Wow. So this young boy, Jeremiah, was called to the prophetic ministry at a very, very young age. And we have the account of that. Here is probably, as I said, one of the first messages he gave. So if you're with me, Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, verse 2. Hear the words of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So it's not just a young boy. I can imagine a 12-year-old boy getting away with this at a a ladies' meeting. But he's not told to go and speak to the ladies, because the ladies go, oh, isn't that cute? 12-year-old boy prophesying that we're going to be damned and come under the wrath of God. Isn't that cute? Men tend to hear damnation, wrath, a little bit differently than women. And he's told, go and prophesy this to the men. okay. And off he goes. And he's reminding them of the covenant. And that's where we need to be today. We need to be reminded of the covenant. A reminder of the covenant. I mean, what covenant? What are we talking about? You see, when God called Israel to be his special people, he chose them before they had a land, before they had a king, before they were organized in any way. He chose them as a, essentially a family dynasty. The the dynasty of Jacob, this family, and he chose them and he, he brought them out of Egypt. And he said, I'm going to give you all of the things that make for a nation. I'm going to give you laws. A nation needs laws. I'm going to give you leaders. A nation needs leaders. I'm going to give you a land. A nation needs a land. And I'm going to give you all these things. And we read that when God began to do that, he began to give them laws. He began to give them principles for how they were to be led he gave them all of these things he said now do you want me to do this for you i mean kind of Duh, yeah now it's a very important question do you want me to do this for you is is what's called the terms of a, of a covenant and a covenant is when you say to someone let's form an agreement i will bring this to the agreement you tell me what you bring to the agreement We will agree. We will have witnesses witness our agreement. We will then celebrate the agreement by taking an animal. We will slay the animal by way of saying two things. We're in fellowship with each other because you you eat food with people you're in fellowship with. Secondly, if either of us break this covenant, may what we are now doing to this animal be done to us. So here's... God forming a covenant relationship with Israel, do you want me to do this for you? And they, at this point, have come out of Egypt. God has given Moses the law coming down from Mount Sinai. So that's Exodus 20. We now come into Exodus chapter 24. And God says, I will do this for you. Do you want to enter into this agreement with me? Isn't that amazing? I find that incredible, that the God of the universe invites us to give him permission to have his way in our life. And if you don't give God permission to have his way in your life, he won't. So here's Israel, and around about Exodus 24, they say yes. And Moses does this really weird thing. He reads out the law, he reads out what God's going to do, he then takes a branch, he dips it all in blood, a pot of blood, and then he goes, sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. Like, what is with that? I mean, what is going on here? It's kind of the same thing. If there were two people standing over an ox or a, a sheep, and we, and we, we slit its throat and we cut its head, it, the blood would splatter. And Moses is saying, we're all a part of this. It's as if you you know how covenant works, Israel. You know that when you form a covenant, a treaty with someone, that that's what happens. Well, now we're just doing it to the whole nation and went through the whole congregation of Israel, sprinkling blood over them as a way of saying we're now we've now formed this agreement. And then they said, let's go and pronounce the terms of the agreement. It's kind of like in a wedding when when i when I marry a couple, we exchange vows and then we go through. The, the particular promises they're making to each other. And so the particular promises that God was making with Israel is found. And would you come with me, please, to so Deuteronomy 27? In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 27, because it's really important that we understand the nature of covenants in the Old Testament. We're in Deuteronomy 27, and, and perhaps if you're reading through the Old Testament and you come to this, you, you, you may wonder, what is this all about? And and this is giving part of the terms of the covenant. We read in Deuteronomy 27 verse 1, Now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, Keep the whole commandment that I've commanded you. By the way, Deuteronomy, Deutero means the second time. Onomy means rule or law. It's the second giving of the law. This is the second time Israel has heard this. The first time was their parents. Deuteronomy is now the children of the parents because the parents said, yes, we'll form that covenant with God. And then they did everything but obey God. And it took 40 years for them to die out. Now it's the children. And Moses is going, okay, kids, it was your parents that formed this agreement. Now you're old enough. You're all adults now. I'm going to go through this again. And I'm going to ask you, do you want God to do this for you? And so that's what the whole book of Deuteronomy is about. That's why what is in Exodus in chapter 20 is repeated in deuteronomy uh from you'll notice deuteronomy chapter 5 is the same same as exodus 20 so here we have moses going through this again we come down to verse 9 then moses and the levitical priests said to all israel keep silence and hear o israel this day you have become the people of the lord your god see it sounds like i now pronounce you man and wife And that's what a covenant is. When a man and a wife, a man and a woman come together, that is a covenant. And here Israel is forming a covenant with God. Today you have become the people of God. Verse 10, You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day. And Moses charged the people, saying. And what we're going to read from they're on in 20, chapter 27, is all the curses. It's kind of like saying, you know, when, you put, when, when two people would form a covenant, they'd put their hands on a sheep or a bullock or whatever, and they'd hold that together. Both would have their hands on it. And they would say, if either of us break this, let this that we were about to do be done to us, and the animal would be slain. And what Moses is now saying, if, if, if any of you break this, this covenant, And here's how you're going to break it. Here's how you could break this covenant with God. And I want you to notice those curses, which is essentially God removing his blessing. This is, if you look at that list there from verse 16 or uh, uh, verse 15 on, cursed be a man who creates an idol. So that's kind of clear. Verse 16, cursed be anyone who dishonor. It. Now, notice this. From the rest of this, the covenant that Israel formed with God was meant to be a, something that had a direct bearing on how they connected with each other. When you are in a covenant relationship with God, it has an immediate and a direct bearing on how you relate to other people. I heard the story of Ravi Zacharias just recently, where Ravi grew up in India. He, his father was a minister in the government, um, in the public service there, and his dad had a high-pressure job, and there was, uh, I think, four kids and, uh, in this family, and the dad would come home, and he would go into a rage. He would scream abuse if the dinner wasn't cooked on time, if it wasn't cooked to the right temperature. He would go nuts. And at one point, Ravi says, the turning point came in, in his young life when as a young boy, six, seven years of age, his dad came home and, and started punching Everybody in the family, everybody was receiving multiple blows from their father. And then their father, and this was an Indian winter, northern India. You may have a picture that India is tropical. Uh, not so. In, in northern India, it gets cold and it's snow and it's ice. And this is northern India. And in a rage, Ravi Zacharias's father told his whole family, get out in the depth of night. And out they had to go onto the street in the cold of winter. And Ravi says that was the lowest, one of the lowest points of his childhood when he saw his dad in absolute rage. And Ravi said to his mum, come on, I've got a friend who lives a couple of blocks away. We can go there. They'll take us in. And she said, no, 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 we can't. We can't let anybody know that this has happened to us. Your father would be even more angry if he knew that others knew. So they went to a park and just huddled together On a bench, she took her sari off to keep the kids warm. And Ravi remembers that as one of the turning points in his life. So he grew up with an angry, abusive father. He grew up hearing his father say, you're not good enough. Why can't you be smart like other children? And if you know anything about Ravi Zacharias, three PhDs later, and so... Ravi Zacharias grew up with this kind of incredible abuse and by the age of 17, Ravi could take it no longer. He was doing uh, high school chemistry at the time and he saw all of these jars in the lab marked Poison. He got his own bottle. He just put a bit of everything into it. He said, there is absolutely no point to living. My dad doesn't think I'm good enough. He's probably right. He went home. He locked himself in the bathroom. He just swigged Swigged? Or, what's, what's the past tense of swigged? Swagged, <laughs> the whole thing down. And within 30 seconds, he dropped to the floor, gasping for breath, writhing in pain. One of the servants heard the noise, broke the door down. Ravi passed out. The next thing he knows, he's in hospital on tubes and machines and they're pumping his stomach and they're rehydrating him and they're doing everything they can to save his life and he nearly died he nearly died and a man came in who he didn't know and the man tried to see Ravi and the doctor said are you family said no I'm not I'm more important than family who are you doesn't matter who I am and the man came in to see Ravi and he said this, he opened up a Bible and he read from the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth and the life. He who has me has life. I give my life to you and no one can take it from you. And Ravi heard those words, he'd never heard those words before in his life. And there he is on his bed of suicide, now he feels even worse because His dad had already told him he was a complete failure and now he'd failed even at suicide. He felt doubly worse. And this man came in and shared this with him. And something in Ravi went click like a light got turned on. And Ravi heard something, 17 years of age, on his deathbed. Jesus gives life. And Ravi said, I want it. I want it because the one I've got right now is lousy. I need a different one. And Ravi invited Jesus Christ to come and live in his life. It was not until 20 or so years later, 1973, that Ravi was preaching. And when he gave the appeal to come to know Christ, his dad came from the back of the building with his mum. And he gave his life to Christ. And Ravi says, from that day, I never heard an angry word out of the mouth of my dad. I never saw an angry scene from my dad from that point on. So dramatic was the change. By my dad coming into a relationship with God, it changed the way immediately that he treated people. That's what God will do in your life. You want a relationship with God? It will affect the way you treat others. And if you look at these curses, they all, apart from the one about idolatry, they all affect the way you treat others. So here we have to understand the covenants. We come into verse uh, chapter 28, and here's the covenant been given you notice in chapter 28 verse 1 here's the blessings if you faithfully obey the voice of the lord your god being careful to do all his commandments that i command you today the lord your god will set you high above all the nations of the earth and we read through deuteronomy 28 down to verse 14 and there's all these phenomenal blessings about how they will have all their needs met they'll be brought into a land the land will be blessed all of these phenomenal blessings and then from verses 15 on we have what will happen as a result, which is essentially God will remove the blessings. And when God removes blessing, that's called being cursed. That's what a curse is. It is when the blessing of God is removed. And so if you'll look with me, please, uh, down to verse 63. We come to the last part of verse 63. We read this. And this is as a result, if Israel breaks the covenant, if they say God All of those things you told us to do. Don't have idols. Don't have sex unless you're married to that person. Don't cheat the widow. Don't cheat the orphan. Uh, 27 verse 19. Uh, Treat people with respect. Uh, Don't abuse animals, it says in verse 21 of chapter 27. Uh, God, you can stick all that up your jumper. We're going to live however we want and tough for you. God says... Deuteronomy twenty-eight sixty-three. You do that, then I will remove all these blessings from you. And this is what the last part of verse 63 says. I will pluck you up and I will cast you out of the land. And we read in verse 64 how that would happen. And the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone which neither you nor your fathers have known. Among these nations you shall find no respite. There shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot, the Lord. but the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. Wow, man, that is heavy. That is really, really heavy. And if you read the verses coming up to that, God talks about sending in a nation that will swoop upon them like an eagle. And now here we are. Come back with me now to... Well, actually, we're going to pick this up now second kings come with me now to second kings because the um, chapter 22 the amazing thing is that that book of the covenant which is a part of the law of moses was lost i mean all of those blessings and curses the law the ten commandments they wrote them down and they lost them can you believe it they lost them not only did they lose them they forgot about them For hundreds of years, these things were lost until one day. 2 Kings chapter 22, we read in verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. Now, what we're going to read here in a moment is that God ordained a young man man. He was eight years old to become king. He reigned thirty-one years. That makes him thirty-nine when he died. That's young. That's phenomenally young. Trust me. It's young. Wish I was there again. But anyway, uh, I digress. Here's Josiah, a young boy king. And we read that uh in this chapter it says, verse 3, in the 18th year of King Josiah, so 18th year, 8, how old is he? See, so he's really young. This is a young boy. And, the, and something happens. We read verse 3, uh, son of the secretary of the house. Verse 4, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money. We go down to verse 8, and Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, notice this, I've got this highlighted in orange, because it's one of the most profound things that scripture records. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. So what's he reading? He's basically reading Deuteronomy 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. That's the, the, the book of the covenant. The covenant. And there he's reading this and he's looking at those curses and blessings and he's going, uh-oh, oh dear. That explains a lot. I've got to get this to the king. And the king, Josiah, he read it. And we read in chapter 23 that uh, the king, in verse 3, the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in, the book, written in this book. And all the people, what did they do? Joined in the covenant. So this is King Josiah, 26 years of age. He's discovered the law. And all the people have said, yes, yes. We give all our heart, all our life, all our mind, all our soul, all our resources to God. You are our God and we are your people. And about one year later, they've forgotten. it. Less than a year or so later, they're telling God, get lost. We'll do whatever we want to do. And they were kidding themselves because they thought that once they reinstituted the temple stuff and they just went back to the temple they could look religious and still do what they were always doing and God was ticked and that's why he sent along he sent along a young king to bring reform and now he sends a young prophet to bring reform and i think god is looking for young men and i think about this a lot what will the next generation of the church look like because chances are they're in this room right now we have a higher proportion of young men in this church than the average church across Australia. And I think that's a God thing. And I think God is looking to raise up young men who will be fearless in the face of opposition. Who will say, even though all their friends say, come on, it won't hurt, no one will ever know. No, I'm living for God. And here's Jeremiah, the young boy, prophesying about just after this time. They knew the law. Remember Jeremiah's. come with me back to Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah's dad was a priest. He would have accompanied his dad as they went around Israel telling people what the law actually said. And this young boy, Jeremiah, as he's going around, and now he's as he's going around with his dad, chances are, he's prophesying this, prophesy to the men of Judah as you go around. The men of Judah, because he's going from town to town with his dad as his dad in his role as a priest, was teaching the law. And here's Jeremiah telling the people, you're not keeping the covenant. And we read on in chapter 11 that Jeremiah says, the very first thing of the covenant, have no other gods before me. You've broken it. You've got more gods than you've got towns. He says in Jeremiah chapter 11, we read that about verse 13 of Jeremiah 11. So here's the, here's the thing. Jeremiah is saying this as a 12, 13-year-old boy. And then, of course, over the next few years, he, he just built on it. And that's what we've already looked at that section. But here's Jeremiah saying, you continue this way. God will destroy this temple and he will cast you out of the land. Now, this should not have been unfamiliar. This should not have been any new revelation because it's already stated in the law of the covenant. Deuteronomy 28 verses 63 and 64 says that's what will happen. You disobey me, you forfeit the land. That's why today when people are fighting over this patch of dirt and calling it the holy land as they kill people, what the heck? Someone needs to tell them Jesus has come. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant. You don't need a patch of dirt to get close to God. You need Jesus. Oh, no, that was. Oh, I am preaching so much better than you're responding. Let's try that again. You don't need a patch of dirt to get close to God. You need Jesus. Amen. Now, that's going on the video, that one right there. Now, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, it's not, oh, I've got to go to Israel to get closer to God. No, come to Lagana. Yeah. Here he is. I mean, here he is. So as we read this and we think, here's Jeremiah confronting the people with this sin. I'm reminded in uh, John chapter 7, where is that verse uh, where Jesus, uh, John seven nineteen. This is a really interesting passage. John, John chapter 7, um, the, the, the Pharisees put out a contract on Jesus' life because they say he's been breaking the law. Jesus breaks the law. And so Jesus, as they come out to kill him, Jesus turns the tables. And in John 7 verse 19, he says to the Pharisees, none of you keep the law. None of you keep the law. He's doing exactly what Jeremiah did. Don't look at the outside appearances. Go straight to the heart. And if you look in... The book of the covenant you'll see there's a verse there in chapter 27 where God commands that people are to come before him with joy and gladness of heart and you wonder who's going to know and I can only think one person there's only one person who can see hearts so here's the question because Jesus came and he came in the spirit of Jeremiah he came saying Look, God's offering you this. He's offering you eternal life. He's offering you to adopt you. He's offering to give you an inheritance. He's offering you eternal life in heaven. He's offering you comfort whenever you need it. He's offering you fellowship if you're lonely. He's offering you food if you're hungry, drink if you're thirsty, companionship to the friendless, father to the fatherless. He's offering you all this. Will you accept it? And all of those things are summed up in Ephesians 1 verse 3. He has blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places. All the blessings, all the blessings that God can give are available to us. And we read what Jesus said from Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 to 8. Blessed are you if. So here's the question. Do you want God's blessing on your life? I do. I do. I want God's blessing on my life. And I know it starts with this, saying, Jesus, have all of my life. Jeremiah's calling the people to be wholly dedicated to God so that that they can be blessed. But notice what they were doing. They'd set up idols. They had said to God, you're not worth it. Our devotion for you, not worth it. Just not worth it. What are you trusting in for your salvation? Are you trusting in, well, she'll be right. I don't think God punishes anyone. I think I'll die. I'll go from this life into the next. And it'll all just be sweet. Me and God have got a deal going on. I've never met anybody who believed that, continued to believe that on their deathbed. It's funny how reality challenges your theories. And I've been with people on their deathbed who have have realized that just doesn't cut the cloth. You need absolute certainty that God has forgiven your sins. Do you have it? They discovered God's word and we're nearly done. They discovered God's word and it changed a young boy. It changed Josiah and it changed another young boy, Jeremiah. If you discovered the word, would it change you? Would it change you? If you read the Bible and you, you read it with a way of saying, God, speak to me. Show me what I need to know. And he did. He began to speak to you. Would you yield? Would you allow the potter's hands to mold you as clay? That's what I want for my life. I want to be wet clay in the hands of God. God, please have your way in my life. And Jeremiah would go on in chapter 18 and use that exact analogy. So, this is where I just want to kind of bring this to a close. Jeremiah is a young teenage boy, young boy, 12, 13, 14 years of age. He would go on to prophesy 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. He would have been around about 30, 33 when Babylon eventually came in and everything he said would happen, he saw it. He saw it happen. Here's the question. What has to happen in a young man in order to make him? And here's an expression I want you to get. It's the highest compliment the Bible can pay a man. Not king. Not great man. Here's the highest compliment the Bible pays a man. It's this expression. He was a man of God. And here's my question. Jeremiah, a young boy. He prophesied as a young man. Man, and I've already told you there was a young kid listening to him, a young boy listening to him, younger than Jeremiah. His name was Daniel. And he went to Babylon. And he had this same thing. He had the spirit of a man of God. And there are young men in this room, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 years of age. And God wants you to. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will raise up a generation of young men who will live for you, who will serve you fearlessly, who will give you all their heart, like Jeremiah, like Josiah, like Daniel, like Jesus, and that they will live for you. And now, Lord, I pray for those people who have never formed a covenant with you, never said, to God I want you to be my God and I want to be yours I want to be your child and I want you to be my heavenly father you've never prayed a prayer like that you've never come before God and your eyes are still shut but maybe now with one prayer God could open your eyes and you go oh I see things differently now oh gosh I've been arrogant oh oh I need to be forgiven of my sin oh God please forgive me Come into my life. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. Help me to know you as I read your word. Help me to hear you as I pray. Help me to show that I love you by how I treat others. If that's your prayer, welcome home. You've just come home. You've come home to the resting place for your soul. And God has prepared an everlasting home for you with him that will last beyond this life, beyond the grave, you'll live with him forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Even with a covenant reminder, disobedience still reigned. More from Dr. Corbett in the series on Jeremiah next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Jeremiah Session 25, A Covenant Reminder, are available from Lagana Media. If you missed the introduction to the Jeremiah series, you can receive a complimentary DVD copy just by writing to us at P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. If you're listening outside Australia for a gift of any amount to cover shipping, email your details to us to request your complimentary DVD. The emailing address, mail at findingtruthmatters.org. If you'd like to subscribe to the monthly e-newsletter Perspectives, visit FindingTruthMatters.org and click subscribe. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.